Welcome to Let's Clear the Air, a podcast sponsored by the Allergy, Asthma, and Sinus Center, dedicated to educating listeners about allergies, asthma, and immunology. Welcome to this episode of Let's Clear the Air, all things allergy and immunology. I'm your host, Liz Edwards, and today I am joined by the head of our practice, Dr. Bob Overholt. We are in Knoxville, where it all began, where the Allergy Asthma Sinus Center story began, and it is a pleasure to be with you today. Liz, it's nice to be here, and this should be fun. It really will be. I I have um, enjoyed you know, over the years, you're host of the Dr. Bob TV show. Um, But what stands out to me is what a teacher you are when it comes to allergies. I I really, I've learned a lot from you over the years. You love teaching, don't you? I really do. I think anybody that goes into medicine wants to spend some time teaching other people and being a part of research and furthering the field of allergy in my case. You come from a long line of physicians, your father, your brother, you have sons who are physicians. Tell me about that. What made you want to be a doctor? Well, from the beginning, medicine was part of our family. My father was a physician. He was a kind and wonderful person. He left the house at 4.30 every morning, and he came back at 9 o'clock at nighttime. And he was just loved. He loved to sit down in the hospital on a patient's bed and just talk with them about their life and their problem and what he was doing with that. He was an excellent diagnostician. When my father walked into a room, bingo, he knew what was wrong with the patient. And he really it was a real art. Uh, he went to medical school at Northwestern and had gone to Michigan State and Battle Creek College. Uh, and so his training was excellent, and he traveled all over East Tennessee to provide medical care, like Morristown and uh, surrounding areas like that. So he was a great man, and he would play with the children. We would pretend like we were boxing and would have a good, have a good time really uh, being boys and men together. Yeah. Did you always know you were going to be a physician? I think from the beginning, I liked people, and I liked to help other people. I liked to be involved with doing something with or for somebody else as to whether I really wanted to put a stethoscope around my neck at an early age, it's really hard to say. But my life was sort of guided by myself about, you know, that's what I want to do. What else is there than being a physician? And it's a great, great field in that people come to you with a pain, with a problem, something that's bothering them, and you use your training and your expertise to help them feel better and to make their life better and to make then be more productive citizens. So uh, that's a huge, huge uh, benefit for somebody to be in a job where they're able to do that and they're able to help other people. So it makes it fun. And when you run a business, you've got people at the front desk that you get to know their family and you have secretaries and you have nurses and you have doctors and you have uh, the business meetings and all of that is, is also fun because 
you're meeting people all the time. I call it flirting with people <laughs> because you have fun giggling and talking and having yeah. a good time. Yeah. What drew you to the path of allergy and immunology? Tell me about the moment or the moments that kind of directed you there. I really, as I grew up, wanted to be one or two things. I either wanted to be a neurosurgeon, which I thought was very glamorous, and later on uh, got to where I knew I didn't want to be a neurosurgeon. Um, the other thing was a cardiologist. I, I enjoyed the heart. I enjoyed listening to the heart. I learned, I enjoyed taking care of people that had heart failure or what we could do for that and how we could guide cholesterol and uh, improving people's life. And then in my training, I went to University of Michigan. And the minute I got out of my car at Michigan, all of the friends that I already had that were in that area said, Bob, you're crazy if you don't go into allergy. Well, I was going into cardiology. And when I heard that, I said, gosh, what's allergy? At that time, allergy was not a field with a lot of knowledge and expertise. Um, And so when I was at Michigan, uh, the third year I was there in my training, I got drafted in the United States Army. And my last two months of training at Michigan was in allergy. I absolutely fell in love with it. People would come in sick and they would be had sinus disease and you know they didn't feel good and they were sick all the time from the minute they woke up in the morning until the end of the day. Their nose was dominating their life or they had asthma or they had itching. And so it seemed like just everybody and they were young patients and they would come in miserable and they would walk out feeling really better and their quality of life. What more could a person want than to take care of a young, active person and improve their life to where uh, their life didn't bother them because of their nose and their sinuses and clearing their throat and cough and wheeze and shortness of breath? There were so many things. Now, at that time, when I was thinking about going into cardiology, there was the glory of saving somebody's life, somebody that, that uh, wouldn't have made it without your help if you were good. And I planned on being good. So it was the only concern I had about going into allergy was, am I going to have that satisfaction of knowing that I would have saved somebody's life? Mm-hmm. And my chief instructor was sort of a father of allergy at John Sheldon. And John Sheldon at the University of Michigan said, Dr. Bob, he said, you won't have to worry about there'll be enough people that have bad asthma that you have to put in ICU intensive care and guide them through wellness and you'll save their life, and it will be very satisfying. And all of the people in that family will be blessed by the care that you gave their loved ones. Allergy really does, or allergies, I should say, it's pervasive across uh, all qualities of life. It really can affect your everyday living. Talk about that. The allergic reaction, and there are basic ones, Uh, hay fever, people that have spring and fall hay fever or dust and mold or cat dander, gives them runny, itchy, stuffy does, 
uh, a lot of drainage, a lot of congestion. And when you look at your nose when you've got a cold, it drives you crazy. It makes you feel poor. It makes you uh, not be able to breathe through your nose and to do well. And to be able to guide that one problem um, is really self-satisfying as far as taking care of people. Now, with the allergic reaction, not only do they itch and run and sneeze, but there are constitutional symptoms. The allergic reaction is actually inflammation that's going on in the cells in the body. And the inflammation is pretty similar to a common cold. People don't feel good with a common cold, and they don't mm-hmm. feel good with allergies. The problems with allergy, it lasts at least a season, so it's going to last two to three months uh, if it's in the spring and two to three months if it's in the fall or the wintertime when there's more dust and mold. So it never stops. The allergy walk uh, is all year round. Now, everybody's different. Some people worse, are worse in the spring. Sometimes it's only when they go to Aunt Lucy's and she has a cat right. uh, where they get exposed to something that really dominates their life and really makes them say, now, what am, what am I going to do for my allergy problems? But the constitutional symptoms of fatigue and malaise, when we see a patient and when we diagnose what they're allergic to and when we place them on a desensitizing program. A lot of times when they come back and you say, how are you doing? Then they, it won't necessarily be, oh, I don't sneeze and my nose doesn't itch. They don't really say that. They say, I didn't realize how poorly I felt and now I feel good. Yeah. Like the windshield wiper took the water Mm-hmm. off of the windshield and made you thinking clear, made you happier, make you more productive, make you a better person, makes you want to go back to see your allergy doctor because he's made a difference in your life. That's so true. And I'm a patient here and, and went through immunotherapy, so I can attest to that. I feel so much better. I always wondered, how has allergy treatment evolved over the years? You've been practicing for decades Tell me about what things were like when you first got into practice and where we are now. It's unbelievable the advances that have, that have come in allergy. Uh, when I was in training at the University of Michigan, we were required, required to take botany. We were required to take immunology. We were required to look at cells that the body produces and what was the purpose of those cells? Be frank with you, we didn't know anything. <laughs> the <laughs> development of how these cells have played a part in the health of people and protecting people has just been unbelievable. When I came into practice in 1970, at that time, there's not one medicine, not one medicine that we used back then that we use now. Mm-hmm. All of them are better, and they're better at making the patient feel better. And despite that, in the last five years, there's been the development of even newer medicines that improve the quality of life. We call these biologics, the biologics monoclonal yes. antibodies. And mm-hmm. I tell patient big names to make the doctor sound smart. But <laughs> what they're really doing is they're really helping the patient. And as you learn these new advances, 
and you go to meetings and you become familiar with the newer treatment, it gives you a huge armamentarium of being able to treat that patient with. We're almost to where we can just get rid of the allergies. Now, a person has to be uh, incentivized right. to want to get rid of their problem. And they have to recognize yes. that they've really got it. A lot of people just sniff and snort. Yes. And they don't think that it's underlying allergies. Other people, when you get together socially with a group of people, my allergies are killing me. My allergies are doing this. Sometimes they just don't feel good. It may not be their allergies. So when we see a patient that's got nose problems, recurrent sinus infections, mm-hmm. uh, stuffy nose, nasal congestion, fullness in the head, blocked head, can't breathe well through the nose. You may remember now, if you're not breathing through your nose, it's hard to eat because you got to put food in your mouth and you got to swallow that. You know, if you can't breathe through your nose yeah. at the same time, you have to take a breath before you can chew and swallow. So yes. it's a huge, huge, huge problem. Yes. And the allergist has the ability to diagnose and improve that problem where the patient feels like getting up in the morning and getting with it and having fun. Someone with allergies, would you consider them more susceptible to getting other um, infections yes. and colds? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can just immediately <laughs> say yes. Yeah. Because the lining of the nose and the lining of the throat and the lining of the airways uh-huh. are where the allergic reactions occur. And so it makes that part of the lining abnormal where it produces more mucus, where it causes more congestion. And on top of that, if you breathe in some bugs, you know, some viruses or bacteria, then you're more prone to getting an infection, for instance. Mm-hmm. If you've got asthma, mucus is produced with the inflammation in the airway, mm-hmm. and that mucus in, that's down in the lungs, if you don't get rid of it, if you don't take care of it, that mucus will become infected and will lead to an active bronchitis, and we end up with what we call asthmatic bronchitis. And these are sick people. Mm-hmm. These are people that have a hard time getting enough air in to where they're feeling like they can do whatever they want. If you're in a swimming pool and you dive under the water and you know the top of the water is just a foot away, but you feel that air hunger, that desire to put your head up where you can get a good breath, that's the way somebody is with asthma all the time. Okay. And the medicine that we've got now and the treatment and the diagnosis uh, makes it where we should be able to have the asthmatic live a normal life from their lung standpoint. That's our, that's our goal. Yeah. That's what we want. We're not always successful, but we're always trying. I love it. You have a heart of a teacher. I love listening to you use those analogies. I never thought about that with the swimming pool, but it makes sense. I love that. You were raised here in East Tennessee. Yes. I uh, was born in, in Mich- Michigan. In okay. Battle Creek, Michigan, home of Kellogg's Pep and <laughs> Kellogg's Corn Pops. <laughs> So, but I came down to Knoxville at age two and have essentially grown up in Knoxville. Yeah. And, and this is Rocky Top. Um, I don't know if many people know this, but you played on the UT football team. 
I loved athletics. I loved football. For some reason, I enjoyed hitting somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I've never, ever, not one time, have I ever been in a fight. (laughs) But I like to knock somebody down on a football field. So tell me what it was like uh, playing football at the college level. First of all, what position did you play? Well, that's a good story in itself because I was recruited as a tailback to uh-huh. run the ball and pass the ball and kick the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after my freshman year, Coach White, who was our coach, Bowden White, a person who I loved and admired very much, uh, came up to me and says, Dr. Bob, he said, you'd make a great tailback except for three things. You can't kick, you can't pass, and you can't run. And I said, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so he said, I'm going to want you to play left end, and so I played end. But at that time, the fellowship and the camaraderie that goes along with 40 to 50 people playing football together, we lived mm-hmm. in the football stadium. So we had dorm rooms inside the stadium. It was so much fun. Oh, my goodness. And we had the training table down on the lower level, and Mr. Jim Thompson was uh, was the chef, was responsible for the responsible for the nutrition that we got yeah and so you get a group of friends some of which are going to be preachers and some of them are going to be crooks you know (laughs) and there's just all sorts of people and you have to learn how to become friends with all of those some of them are tougher and meaner than you are Mm -hmm. and some of them that are kinder and better than you are Mm -hmm. and so you it's a great learning process as well as getting together and trying to win a, a football game uh, you know, in front of 50,000 people at that time. What, is, what does it feel? I know, and now the numbers are even higher when you go into Neyland Stadium. What does it feel like to run out of the tunnel? So it's, there were two things. Number one, it was scary because we would have a pregame uh, pep talk, huh. and then we would run out onto the field. Well, running out to the field, there were two or three players that became so emotional that if they would, come on, let's go, and they'd, they'd slap you on the back, it would almost be like <laughs> they were taking out a kidney or something, you know. So, and a couple of them would almost be frothing at the mouth. And these were the best players. And they, yeah. they just, they would get so pumped up that I, I would stay away from <laughs> from get, getting onto the field from those guys because you might get hurt more than in the game. Sort of so uh, it, it was a thrill. Yeah. To walk out in a field with 50,000 people uh, at that time mm-hmm. and have them cheering and yelling and you're getting ready to go try and knock somebody down to get the ball <laughs> and to score. You know, it, it just it's, it was just an exciting time of life. It, yeah. School was fun. You were football players and you weren't necessarily looked at as students uh, and the teachers would usually know we would try to make sure that we didn't wear any leather sweaters or anything that made us look like athletes yeah because we were there for education in general mm-hmm. uh, and so that was that was a great fun as I went down to medical school I went to medical school in Memphis right. at that time I met my wife uh, and I had a blind date with Carol Campbell, who was from Morristown, Tennessee, and I lived in Knoxville, so it wasn't too far away. Yeah. Who set you up on the blind date? Well, it was 
a guy named Neil Soley. He was the captain of Tennessee's football team later on, a great friend of mine. And he, at that time, the last name was Overholt, and they would call me Ove, O-V-E, <laughs> and said, let's go out to the lake. And one of the football players uh, came from a wealthy family, and we went out to Horseshoe Lake. And Neil said, I'll get you a date. And so uh, little Carol Campbell, uh, and we, we went out to the lake and skied and played in the water and, and just had a wonderful, wonderful time. And we kid each other because uh, at that time, sometimes people drank beer, and I didn't drink beer and didn't use alcohol. Mm-hmm. Still don't. Uh, and I was a designated driver, so I drove. And Carol, who was my date, sat in the back seat on the right. So <laughs> that's how impressive I was at that time. But she didn't really... Um, she really didn't want to marry a doctor. She was in dental hygiene school. Okay. And she came from a, um, a farming setting mm-hmm. uh, in East Tennessee, and she didn't. She was hesitant about involving herself in the social life that she thought a doctor had to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, she thought very, 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 very carefully about it a long-term relationship with somebody who's going to be a physician. Yeah. How so, many years have you been married? So I've been married 59 years. Oh, wow. Uh, and she, Carol, my wife, uh, is a very, very easy person to live with, a very wonderful person, mm-hmm. uh, has a lot of wisdom, has got a lot of guidance, and I've relied on her guidance uh, as mm-hmm. we've grown up as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've existed very happily with each other. It's been a good life. When is your anniversary? When do you hit the 60 mark? Yeah, well, in March 24th. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, That's wonderful. Yeah, it is. And we look forward to you know, yeah. each five-year increment or times in our lives. And, yeah. and just enjoy it. We've been very fortunate. We've had two children, and they've Mm-hmm. Both done well. They've both been good children. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've both academically and socially been people that we've been very proud of. So you are very active in your church, and I hear that you sing in the choir. Yes, I, I call it um, when I went into choir. My wife sings in the choir, and I decided <laughs> I wanted to sing with the choir, too. I'd s- sung in uh, uh junior high school and a quartet and so I walked into the choir room and they said well welcome we'd love to have you Uh, what do you sing and I said I don't know (laughs) (laughs) and then they said well then you're a tenor because we need tenors I love it (laughs) so uh, I'm at a tenor I'm a tenor and Eric Thorson who's the head of the acapella choir at Carson Newman University is our choir director also, and he's one of the best teachers. And being in medicine, you're exposed to teachers all the time, and they're they're great, they're good, they're average, yeah. and some of them are not as good. Eric Thorson is the best teacher that I have ever ex- been exposed to. You walk into choir rehearsal on Wednesday, and you, you're tired, you've worked all day, and sure. you know, it's not really exciting to 
walk into another classroom at eight o'clock at nighttime. Yeah. And boy, you walk out and you just feel like you're on you're on top of heaven. I know? love that. Yeah. What do you do for fun if you're not working or you had the day off? What what would you what would you do? Something active to help um, myself, people that are around me. Mm-hmm. I was a very competitive, extremely competitive person. And we had uh, a basketball court at our house that made USA Today's top 10 in the country. <laughs> and I would come home after work and and I would see a game going on in the outdoor basketball. I would run to the house and get my tennis shoes and go down and see who was the best player that I could guard so that I could try and stop him. I was just that way. I played basketball down on the court one time with my son, and he said, Dad, I'm never going to play with you again. And I said, well, John, why is that? I said, he said, it's just a basketball game. And he says, you're jumping down on this asphalt court trying to get the ball before somebody else does and uh, said it's just a game I said John it's the only that's the only game that I will have an opportunity to win that one game <laughs> and so that's why I have so, sort of approach everything loved basketball I had a good basketball court uh, when I first came into practice I would try my hardest to get through practice at 3 or 3.15 so I could run over to the phys ed building over at UT yeah. and play with some of what I call the young pups uh, <laughs> and uh, to see if an old fogey uh, who was then 32 could compete with somebody that was 20. Love and it. I loved it. Both of your sons are doctors. Speaking of John, he is one of our board certified allergists uh, with Allergy Asthma Sinus Center as well. Um did they follow the same path that you followed as far as deciding to go into medicine? No. John did not want, my youngest son, did not yeah. want to go into medicine. Unbelievably smart. Um, uh, unbelievable in his ability to have a lot of facts that are surrounding him and funnel mm-hmm. them down to the important things. And he was going to go into to business or uh, to become an attorney and really wasn't interested in medicine uh, until his sophomore year uh, at Dartmouth up in Hanover, New Hampshire. Uh, And he called me up one day and he said, Daddy, he said, uh, you got a few minutes, I need to talk with you. And I said, I've got all the time you want. We're a very close family. And he said, I've thought, and I've looked at my future, and I've looked at what I really do like, and said, I'm going to go into medicine. I'm going to talk it over with you. And I said, John, there are so many avenues and facets of medicine. If you want to be a microscope doctor, you can do that. Mm -hmm. If you want to be an x-ray looker, you can do that. If you want to be a person who just guides somebody socially, a psychiatrist. You, I said you can do that. Or you can diagnose problems that nobody in the world can and can improve their life by doing that. And I said, I'm thrilled that you want to go into medicine. I don't think there's anything better that anybody could do other than go into medicine. It changes a lot. and there's Some people become dissatisfied 
with insurance companies and with the guidance of what you've got to do. Not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person across my desk is is a human being that's got a problem. And basically, it's a pain of some kind. And I say, what kind of pain do you have? Let's see what I can do to help you. When I see a patient that's across my desk, I want that person, when they walk out of the room, to say, Dr. Overholt has been the best doctor that I have ever seen. And um, if so, I would be on the way towards satisfaction. I had one in developing a business and a practice. It's really important that somebody answers the phone well, that somebody meets you at the front door well, that somebody guides you, that somebody's there to take care of you. Mm-hmm. I had a patient walk into my office one time, and he said, Dr. Overholt, I don't care if you're a good doctor or not. I have had the best experience with your office from the first call, from the nurses walking me back to the room, for the interest that they had in me, said, so I don't care if you're any good or not. <laughs> so I, but he really put the goal there for me that I had to yeah. I had to do the best job anybody's ever done. Well, I think it's safe to say your your spirit trickles down all over the office. Um, you walk into any one of our offices, and, and um, our, our staff is terrific and, and really they, they become like family, especially our, our immunotherapy patients that are in a couple times a week getting their allergy shots. And it, it is such a good time to take care of that patient if they're mm-hmm. getting allergy shots once a week or even twice a week. Mm-hmm. When they come in, the nurse says, how you feeling? How are your allergies? Do you, have you had any problems since the last visit? Well, it's a way of, of saying, of catching something early. Well, I've got these little sniffles or I'm blowing out some colored stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it makes us say, well, let me see if I need to talk with Dr. Overholt about that. So you can catch illness early. You can improve with the medicines they give us. They give us so many good medicines that we should be able to help people. Dr. Bob, it has been so great speaking with you today. I've been looking forward to this, and we are just blessed to have you at the helm, and thank you so much for being with us. I think my only problem is I'd like to talk another three or four hours. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to hold you to that because we're going we're gonna to do more episodes together. That would be great. And that would, that would be great because there are so many people that have allergies. Some studies have shown that over 40% of the population in a household has underlying allergy problems that are impeding their quality of life. Mm-hmm. So if we can identify those people and if we can improve their quality of life, what a great thing to be able to do. It's great to be a doctor. It's even greater to be an allergy doctor. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Bob. It was good to be with you today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Clear the Air. Please consider following this podcast. And remember, if you want helpful and accurate information about allergies and asthma, Our allergy experts are here to clear the air.